welcome to another episode of Analyzing Mormonism. We're trying something different today, as you can see. That's <laughs> <laughs> good, that's good, that's good. So we're trying to do an episode, um, video quality, not just audio, which is this. So so we can make social media from this content. Or, but it's so. also like kind of more exciting to have videos. <clears throat> I think this is pretty exciting. I think I feel like it's more engaging. Sorry, I'm like adjusting everything. I feel like it's more engaging to have videos than to just have us talking. But I have like a solid 50 people listening to my podcast. <laughs> but anyway, I feel like I do a better job on TikTok. So I, I like write my script out and then it's nice and um, yeah. Okay. So anyway. Okay. So today, I want we want to talk about did Mormon prophets drink alcohol? And the answer is yes. <laughs> My question was, so I put at the bottom, this is a study of the prophets living the word of wisdom. So I don't want to talk about just drinking alcohol. I want to talk about everything about the word of wisdom. Like coffee, tobacco, anything. Anything else. <laughs> so, tea. Tea. <laughs> I always thought it tastes like dirty water. <laughs> you know what? I was right. You know what? I was right. So that's uh-huh. from... Ted Lasso. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's amazing. It's probably the greatest show ever. Ever. Just ever. Well, that and Schitt's Creek. Those two. What did you call me? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay, so, but before we go into evidence of the prophets not or whether they do or don't drink alcohol, I want to talk about the word of wisdom. So, the word of wisdom, on the church's website, they give this little pre- or it says context for the word of wisdom. And so I kind of want to read that just to kind of launch us into this topic okay. and discussion. And you're a much better reader than I am. Out, reader out louder. Reader out louder. That's what I have. That's what it says on my desk. Reader out louder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, the word of wisdom appeared at a time of intense public debate about bodily health in general and alcohol abuse in particular. In the United States, many adults in the 1830s had been raised in families where alcoholic beverages were consumed at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Many became concerned about the social and health-related consequences of increased alcohol consumption. Beginning in the 1810s, reformers called for abstinence from hard liquor. Many of their hearers went further, taking a pledge against all alcoholic beverages, including beer. At the same time, some reformers spoke out against tobacco chewing and and recommended coffee as a substitute for alcohol, given that clean water was not always available. Within the context of this debate, Emma Smith approached her husband concerning concerned about the environment in the School of the Prophets, the same space Joseph used to record revelations and work on his inspired prophet. And work on his inspired Bible translation was also used as the schoolroom in which attendees often smoked, chewed, and spat tobacco. Joseph inquired of the Lord and received the word of uh, and received the word of wisdom. The revelation helped saints navigate many of the issues debated by reformers and also addressed Emma's specific concerns. Strong drinks and hot drinks, the revelation said, were not for the belly. Neither was tobacco, which was better used as an herb for sick cattle. Sources make clear that many early Latter-day Saints understood hot drinks to refer to coffee and tea. Some groups, like the Shakers, advised against eating meat, while others advocated no restriction. The Word of Wisdom took an independent position, saying that the Lord ordained the use of meat on condition that it be eaten sparingly. The word of wisdom also advocated the use of grain and fruit. 
So, so that's the context for the word of wisdom. So as you were reading it, though, I was, I was thinking about all these different things that I did not put in the slideshow presentation today, um, such as, so it says that some leaders, um, they understood hot drinks to mean coffee and tea. Some also understood it to mean hot chocolate, as you'll find from the, word, the journal of discourses. I don't remember who it was, but he wasn't. So the evidence that I pulled today is just the prophets of the church, not the apostles mm-hmm. or the or the members members in general so like so that so there are a bunch of there are a lot more things about the word of wisdom maybe we'll save that for a different time but there's anyway but also it, i came to my head that even when emma gave this and we're going to read the revelation too just to be just to make it totally clear about what it says and what it doesn't say so this is 1833 where emma comes to joseph he's like hey you guys are spitting on my floor i don't like this because i have to clean it up and so he's like oh i received this revelation and this is what it was and like but Nobody stopped doing those substances. Like, maybe it helped them to not do it in the house, but it was a word of, it was not a commandment. So it was a... It's more like guidelines. <laughs> guidelines, anyway. <laughs> so I don't know how much it actually changed in 1833. I don't know what this revelation did to change the membership's use of these substances. Like, anyway, I don't know that it helped Emma very much. But as we will show in some of these slides... So anyway, but going back to DNC, this is DNC 89, and it was received February 27th of 1833, which is the same year he married Fanny Alger. Just mm. putting it into context further, mm. furtherly. Furtherly. So wait, so where was the schoolroom that this took place in with the spitting on the floor? So the saints are in, uh, they moved to Kirtland, Ohio in 1831. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the schoolroom was or what building that was in. Because I don't know that there's very many buildings that are actually reconstructed like Nauvoo. Mm. So I don't know where. So, but, but it's in Ohio. But so. it's in Ohio, okay. yeah. And they just recently finished oh, Joseph's home. Their home in Ohio, which they, I think they lived in for six years. Anyway, they said it was the longest home that Emma and Joseph ever lived in was the home that they just dedicated in Kirtland. Together, because Emma lived after Joseph oh, died. Well, yeah. And she stayed in Nauvoo until she in died, Nauvoo right? House. She died in the Nauvoo house. In the Nauvoo house. Mm-hmm. I really want to stay there someday. It would be cool. It would be like... It would be a, yeah. like a, a weird um, like um, romantic destination. <laughs> They'd be like, what are you doing here, you lesbian couple? <sighs> well, the the community of Christ is much more accepting, and they own that building. So okay, so they might might not be quite fine. as weirded out. Yeah. Okay, now we're gonna go talk about the we're gonna read the the revelation on the word of wisdom. So, do you want to read some of it? Okay, so uh, verse one, a word of wisdom for the benefit of the council of high priests assembled in Kirtland, Ohio. Look, oh, it yeah. says right there. Yeah. Um, in the church and also the saints and Zion to be sent greeting not by commandment or restraint. Constraint. Or constraint, but by revelation and the word of wisdom. Okay, so given for a principle of promise, verily thus saith the Lord unto you, and consequence of evils and designs, that inasmuch as any man drinketh wine or strong drink among you, behold, it is not good, neither meat in the sight of the Father, only in assembling yourselves together to offer up sacraments before him. So, so, so you're actually supposed to use wine for sacrament. Well, yeah, and then Joseph, but Joseph later changes it to... I. I think it's because he couldn't afford the wine at the time. I think he was struggling financially. But he does change that to water. Um, but yeah, the, in the Book of Mormon, it says wine. Here, here it says you can drink wine only yeah, only through the sacrament. So it's not good. This is God saying to Joseph, this is not good to have wine except on, in the sacrament. Hmm. Just keep that in mind as we discuss the slides later. 
And behold, this, this should be wine, the sacrament. Yea, pure wine of the grape of the vine of your own make. you got to make your own wine. Which would make it cheaper if you're making it yourself. Oh, for sure. It would also probably make it not very tasty. Because it's fresh. So like you might not drink it as not, much. It's not aged. Aged. And again, strong drinks are not for the belly, but for the washing of your bodies. Okay. Wait, is that why they bathed in fireball oh, whiskey? Oh, yeah. They're That's like, I can't drink this, but I can bathe in it. <laughs> yeah, so in, in, uh, during this time period, during Curland, Ohio, I think it was 1836... Um, Oliver Cowdery wrote down that part of the ceremony for the endowment or an initiatory, it might have been washing and anointings, but they bathed in cinnamon whiskey. They bathed in whiskey flavored with cinnamon. And so, yeah, so washing of the bodies is interesting. Um, would you would you bathe in cinnamon whiskey? I feel like that would hurt. You think it would burn a little bit? I feel like that would burn. <laughs> like just your eyes, just like but I don't so like whiskey. much cinnamon whiskey. I don't like whiskey anyway, and cinnamon whiskey... I just feel like it's sort of like eating the Red Hots that are like... Yeah, bathing in Red Hots. Uh, that's what it feels like. Like like what I feel in my mouth when I put a Red Hot in is what... I don't know if that's actually <laughs> accurate because I, like, I don't like whiskey. We're not whiskey drinkers. I don't think that's accurate. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Tobacco is not for the body, neither for the belly, and is not good for man. It is an herb for bruises and all sick cattle to be used with judgment and skill. It is a healing herb, tobacco is. So tell them what sense. you Tell them what your degree is in. Oh, I have a degree in horticulture. <laughs> Super applies. So she knows everything. how to grow things. Because I thought I was going to be a stay-at-home wife, and uh, all I needed to do was grow a great garden for the rest of my life. So. And again, hot drinks are not for the body or the belly. So interpreted hot drinks as in somebody in the, in the Journal of Discourses also said soup. Hot soup and hot chocolate are also against the word of wisdom, according to the guy. It might have been... George I'm Buchanan. Have to have I cannot talk remember with my who it was. Mom. She's she's naughty, naughty. <laughs> but so like, there's a very strong drink and hot drink. What about? Yeah, that's just because wasn't there like a, a fad at the time that hot things were bad for the body? So oh, like, probably yeah. So like we'll, any we'll, hot. We'll visit that in a second. Drinks. Oh, okay. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Getting ahead of myself. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Uh, wholesome herbs are ordained for the constitution and nature and use of man. Um, every fruit in the season thereof, prudence and thanksgiving, flesh of beasts and fowl of the air, I, the Lord, have ordained for the use of man with thanksgiving. Nevertheless, they are to be used sparingly. Okay, but everyone only remembers that part. So hang on, wait. So I'm a vegetarian? No, I'm a pescatarian. Hmm. So I had a, I had a, remain. <laughs> I had a companion on my mission who was also a vegetarian. And she, there was a couple of verses that she would lean on just kind of to be silly. She wasn't trying to like say that this is what God, like God doesn't like it if you eat meat. She wasn't trying to say that, but it was just kind of funny. But this next verse is what she would point out. She would say, um, so you're to be used sparingly, but everyone only remembers that they don't remember the rest. And it is pleasing unto me that they should not be used only in times of winter, cold or famine. So she was like, it says don't use it. Like. And also, in this day and age, winter, cold, or famine really isn't relevant. Yeah. Because we can go to the grocery stores. We have shelter. Like, we don't... Our bodies don't really need that extra fat. And we can go to the store and get food. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. And also, the other verse that she used <laughs> was in the Book of Mormon. I cannot remember where, but it's Alma. I can't remember where in Alma. But it says, when he goes up... When he meets with... Oh, dang. I don't remember my Book of Mormon characters. <laughs> He meets the guy is visited by an angel. Am- Amulek? 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 Anyway, so so he's 
Alma's been fasting. He's coming into this area. And there's a guy, and the angel says that you, a missionary's going to come. You feed him. And so he's like, hey, you're the guy that the angel told me about. So he goes in and eats with him. And he says, Amulek, it says, Amulek said before him, meat and bread. And Alma ate bread and was filled. And then he goes about teaching him the gospel or whatever. So uh, she just thought that was funny because he's like, oh, maybe Alma's a vegetarian because he didn't eat the meat. He's like, mm, no, thank you. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, it was, just, it was just for kicks. It was not. I anything. mean, it's a good defense because there's a lot of Mormons that will be, like, really pushy about eating meat. Also, like, what does sparingly mean in the, in the Mormon church? Like, as a missionary, people fed us. That's one of the reasons why I became a vegetarian is because I got, um, I, got I think it's probably food poisoning um, on my mission. And they also eat meat every single night. And when you have the missionaries over, it's like a special occasion. And so they try to give you the best meal. So it's like meat, 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 steak, meat, steak. Yeah. Steak. Or like buffalo steak. or like moose or whatever. They feed you different things in Park City. Like, I know we got all kinds of th- stuff. I've had gator. Dang. Alligator. Mm-hmm. In Florida, you just go to a restaurant and they have alligator there. Anyway, it's, so. It's like fishy chicken. Ew. Yeah. I don't like chicken. So. I don't like fishy flavored chicken. So. I like fish. It was like chewier than chicken, like kind of chicken-like, but chewier and like a slight fishy. Anyway, yeah, so I feel like Mormons don't adhere to using it sparingly, but also Sparing. use it not at all, except in under those circumstances. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. No shame on if you eat meat. Don't care. It's just Although funny. it would be better for the earth if you ate less meat. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. All grain is ordained for the use of man and of beast to be the staff of life, not only for man, but for the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven and all wild animals that creep around the earth. And these God has made for the, for the use of man only in times of famine and excess of hunger. Okay, so it's, yeah, just read out loud. All grain is ordained for the use of man and of beasts. So grain is for both of us because cows got to eat. You have the staff of life, not only for man, but for the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven and all wild animals that run or creep on the earth. And these hath God made for the use of man only in times of famine and excess of hunger. Is he talking about the grain or the beasts? Is that what you're wondering? Because that's not clear. Yeah, this is very unclear. And verse, this is verse 15 is kind of confusing. All grain is good for the food of man. Also the fruit of the vine, which um, that which yieldeth fruit, whether in the ground or above the ground. Like, wait, hold on. I feel like verse, f- verse 15 is saying the, that the fowls of heaven and the wild animals that run or creep on the earth, these are made for the use of man only in times of ha- famine. So you mean that's furthering his hunger. meat, the yeah, meat thing? It's yeah, it's further that's... saying you don't, don't go hunting unless you are, like, seriously hungry and you're, fa- like, there's a famine. But also on. one of the prophets, don't remember which one, I made a TikTok about it, but he said that he spoke out against hunting. He said, do not go hunting, and that's not something we need to be doing. But the members, just like with this, we're seeing cafeteria Mormonism where, oh, yeah, the prophet said don't hunt, but we're going to just do it anyway. And then the members kind of push the culture of, of the church. Of the church. Mm-hmm. And so, like, even though it says don't eat meat, except in these under these circumstances, which aren't really, I mean, they are in some areas of the world, but mostly they're irrelevant now. Um, hmm. Anyway, so cafeteria Mormonism. So I, I think that it, it you're... Um, companion had a very good point. He's, like, repeating, like, three he did. times. He did, he did say it. He Don't eat say it. very much meat. Sparingly, not be used only in times of excess famine and hunger. Of famine and excess, excess hunger, hunger. Yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway, moving on. Uh, never less wheat for man, barley for useful animals, and for mild drinks. 
Ooh. Yeah, so barley, that's, I'm interpreting that, and I'm pretty sure anyone can, as beer, because beer can be made out of barley. And so, mm-hmm. so two alcoholic beverages are okay for us. Wine, if we make it, and, and beer, beer, if it's barley. barley. But maybe he didn't know that beer usually comes from hops. What is hops? It's just another grain that looks like a vine. But it, but it says that... They grow it at BYU-Idaho, or they no, did when I went there. But it doesn't there. say... It says... Um, um, right, where does it say fruit it says, of the vine? Nevertheless, wheat for man and corn for the oxen, oats for the horse. All grain is ordained for the use and of the And rye for the fowls and for swine and for all beasts of the field and barley for all useful animals and for mild drinks and also other grain. Oh, see, other grain, which can be hop. Mm. Anyway, just trying to interpret this. It's kind of um, unclear. It is unclear. <laughs> Okay, and all saints who remember to keep and do these sayings, walking in obedience to the commandments, shall receive health health in their navel and marrow to their bones, and shall find wisdom and great treasures of knowledge, even hidden treasures, and shall run and not be weary, and shall walk and not faint. I feel like that's a big promise, and I did not keep it, because I run and I am weary all the time. But you don't live where it was anymore. I did, though. My whole life I did. Yeah, this is, this is hard. And even, uh, even in one of the talks I should have... Um, uh, I guess things are coming to my head. But there's a talk by um, Uchtdorf where he talks about how he was running in military camp. And people he was being passed up by people who he, who smoke and drink. And he was like, what gives God? Because um, I'm living the word of wisdom. And you said I can run and not be weary and walk and not faint. But these men who are not living the word of wisdom are exceeding me in their physical abilities. And so he was just, he kind of played it off as some... They'll get their just reward. I don't remember what he said, but it wasn't very... <laughs> Karma's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that went up again. But, like, I think he just had to twist it and make it okay in his head, even though he was seeing clearly that that wasn't the case. That he was not... Blessings still come to those who smoke and drink. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Um, and I, the Lord, give unto them a promise that the destroying angel shall pass them by as the children of Israel and not slay them. Amen. So you won't die. If you live the word of wisdom. That you will. Except that you will die. Everybody does. Okay, so yeah, in summary, it's not a commandment. This is the originally how it was given. It was not a commandment. No wine or strong drink, except you can have wine if you make it yourself. No tobacco, no hot drinks. Don't know what that means. Hot soup, hot chocolate, don't know. Just hot. Meat should only be used sparingly in times of winter, cold, or famine. Barley can be used for mild drinks, such as beer. It does not say beer, but it does say mild drinks. It says mild drinks, drinks but... Just like you can interpret hot drinks in any way that you want. Mild drinks are open for hot interpretation. Drinks, mild drinks. Okay, so there was drinks. one <laughs> So there was one talk in eighteen excuse me, nineteen seventy seven where President Hinckley is giving talk about the word of wisdom and he's like the so called Mormon Code of Health, widely praised in these days um, of cancer and heart research, is in reality a revelation given to Joseph Smith in eighteen thirty three as a word of wisdom from the Lord. In no conceivable way could it have been could it have come from the dietary literature of the time, nor from the mind of the man who announced it. Today, in terms of medical research, it is a miracle whose whose observance has saved incalculable suffering and premature death for uncounted tens of thousands. When President Hinckley, what President Hinckley fails to say is that this was in the dietary literature of the day. So there's a book called Means of Preserving health and preventing diseases published 30 years earlier they, it gives almost the exact same wording as the sword of wisdom do you want to read some of it it was published in 1806 means of preserving health and preventing diseases avoid likewise the excessive use of hot drinks such as coffee chocolate and tea 
particularly the last in which the inhabitants of this country indulge more than in any other beverage. I scarcely dare venture to impeach this favorite solace of our morning and evening hours, but with all due deference to the happiness of the domestic circle, I consider it as my duty to denounce the too liberal use of this liquor, as not a little prejudicial to the fairness and purity of the skin. Tea taken hot and in immoderate quantities not only has a tendency to weaken the organs of digestion, but causes fluctuations and congestions in the humors of the face and frequently brings on a degree of debilitating perspiration. It's not true. But so just like you were saying, that, that was the, the common idea in the day is that hot drinks are really bad for your body. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, tea's really, really good for you, actually. Green, green tea, especially. Also, we will see that a lot of the prophets had the same opinion. And specifically, um, uh, Brigham Young was very, he was like, green tea is super good for you. And yeah. Okay, so now, so how with that, with the precursor of the word of wisdom makes no sense. And it was only given not as a commandment, but as a, what does he say? A word of, oh, not constraint. So now we're going to go into the evidence. This is not, we're not trying to argue anything. We're just presenting the information of the prophets that, just the prophets who, if they live the word of wisdom or not. And the proof. And the proof that, yeah. How many of these are about Joseph Smith? The slides? Mm-hmm. Um, 11, 10. 10 of them. Okay, so, but also there's other things that um, are not included in here. So I'm just talking about the prophets again. So like um, Lucy Max Smith smoked a pipe. Just thought that was cool and interesting. Um, I've made a TikTok about that before. And also her husband, so Lucy grew up in a tavern, so she knew how to make beer. They had a family beer recipe. And Joseph, I think that played into Joseph Smith Sr. becoming or being a drunkard is because it was just there like she opened up a cake and beer shop um so anyway it was just always around him and he struggled a lot with after the loss of the ginseng and then losing her dowry they just struggled a lot so like i understand why he did it like i'm not i'm not shaming joseph smith senior but there are some really great stories of joseph smith senior being drunk <laughs> um or funny stories i should say um the first time i heard the story was bryce blankenagle in mormonism naked mormonism and we made a TikTok about this too, but he was at a bar one time and he was bragging about how large his his um, manhood was. So yeah. that that's that's the TikTok where I spit water. <laughs> that was funny. That was yeah. my favorite one. It was, it was you should great. post it again so it can be be more popular. Oh yeah, I can yes. repost things. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> okay, so um, we are going to talk about. So this is, wait, when, when was this? So this this is from the Minute Book of March 18th of 1833. So February, March. This is one month later. So do you want to read that? After which several exhortations were given to faithfulness and obedience to the commandments of God and much useful instruction given for the benefit of the saints with a promise that the pure in heart that were present should should see a heavenly vision, and after remaining for a short time in secret prayer, the promise was verified to many present, having the eyes of their understandings opened so as to behold many things, after which the bread and wine was distributed by Brother Joseph, after which many of the brethren saw a heavenly vision of the Savior and concourses of angels and many other things, of which each one has a record of what they saw, etc. So, yeah. <laughs> so, the so, they were fasting before this? So one of them is a, is a case of fasting. I don't know if this one, this one doesn't say specifically fasting. But it doesn't, 
So he's giving the bread and wine, right? Bread and wine. So that that would you'd think that that would be the sacrament. But one thing that I'm noticing with a lot of these, it, it's sort of. It sort of seems like the sacrament, but it's not like the sacrament that we do now. It's just like a little shot glass and a little piece of bread. They, maybe this is a way of justifying drinking more, but these, they drank until they were filled. Or they ate until they were filled and drank until they, they were, were satisfied. Satisfied. Um, which, anyway. So I guess you could write that off as maybe it's for the sacrament. But this is one month after the, the word of wisdom thing. But maybe it was wine he made. Who knows? I shouldn't judge Joseph, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so this next one is from a man named Barton Stafford, and this was November 3rd of the same year of 1833. Being called upon to give a statement of the character of the family of Joseph Smith Sr., as far as I know, I can state that I became acquainted with them in 1820, so this is one of their neighbors, and knew them until 1831 when they left this neighborhood. Joseph Smith Sr. was a noted drunkard, and most of his family followed his example. And Joseph Jr., especially, who was very much addicted to intemperance, in short, not one of the family had the least claims of respectability. Even since he professed to be inspired of the Lord to translate the Book of Mormon, he one day while at work in my father's field got drunk on a composition of cider, molasses, and water. It's interesting. Finding his legs to refuse their office, he leaned upon the fence and hung for some time. At length, recovering again, he fell to scuffling with one of the workmen, who tore his shirt nearly off from him. His wife, Emma who was at our house at at a visit, appeared very much grieved at his conduct, and to protect his back from the rays of the sun and conceal his nakedness, threw her shawl around his shoulders, and in that plight escorted the prophet home. As an evidence of his piety and devotion, when intoxicated, he frequently made his religion the topic of conversation. So that also reminds me of the Bible stories where they would literally get drunk and then be naked, and then so I think that was one of the reasons why I know there's a huge kerfuffle about it, but they, because the shame came upon the person who viewed your nakedness in the Bible. But anyway, so Emma's covering this nakedness, it just it sort of feels biblical. But also it's interesting that he would prophesy a lot and he would talk about religion when While he was drunk. drunk. Yeah. So this is not, um, so this is an earlier reflection. So he's not, it's not happening now. This man is not trying to say that it's happening now, but he says that he often did become drunk. So. And Joseph, so he's just saying that Joseph Smith Sr. Joseph Smith Jr. are just known drunkards. to drink. Known drunkards, which I guess is different than doing it leisurely or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cool Next. story. Yeah. All right. This is a revelation in August mm-hmm. 1835. This is the, yeah, the sacrament revelation. Okay. Wherefore, a commandment I give unto you, that you shall not purchase wine, neither strong drink of your enemies. Wherefore, you shall partake of none, except it is made new among you. Yea, in this my Father's kingdom, which shall be built upon the earth. So this is DNC 27, and this is what I was talking about earlier, where he gets this revelation, because he's like, oh, I'm afraid of being poisoned, because it's 1835. And so he, he, I think he's just drawing a line between um, where to get the alcohol, because that that was a, that was a concern. People were he was very paranoid about being poisoned, and then one of the one of the characters in the Utah period was known to poison a lot. He was sort of their go-to Danite poisoner. Choice of who was that? Porter I can't Rockwell? remember his name. Um, no, it wasn't. I'll have to put that somewhere else. Um, but I can't remember his name. Hmm. Anyway, but also you can see in Joseph Smith's journals he was he was very concerned of being poisoned. In, in 1843, this is sometime later, he was really concerned that Emma was poisoning him. 
Um, there's no evidence that she did because of because medical research, um, specifically Linda K. Newell, she's not a doctor, but she is a historian. And she says that there's no medical, like there's not a there's not something that would cause you to throw up in the morning and not any kind of poison. It would cause you to throw up in the morning, but then you'd be able to resume your activities in the evening. Cause, oh no, pregnancy. Pregnancy? That would cause that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, is this mine or yours? Yours? No, wait, mine. It's yours. Mine. Okay, so this is from Joseph Smith and his journals, and on March thirtieth of eighteen thirty-six. So I can't remember when exactly he got um, the cinnamon bath whiskey thing but it was the same year i called the house to order and the presidency proceeded to wash the feet of the twelve pronouncing many prophecies and blessings upon them in the name of the lord jesus their brethren began to prophesy upon each other's heads and cursings upon the enemies of the church who inhabit jackson county missouri continued prophesying and blessing and sealing them with hosanna and amen until nearly seven o'clock p.m the bread and wine was then brought in and i observed that we had fasted all day and lest we faint as the Savior did so, shall we do on this occasion. We shall bless the bread and give it to the twelve, and they to the multitude. After which we shall bless the wine and do likewise. So this is the case where they were fasting all day, and they're doing all this stuff in the, in the, I don't know where they are, School of the Prophets? I think they're still in Kirtland. But, um, yeah, so he says until, at seven o'clock, he's like, oh yeah, we haven't eaten all day, and we don't want to, we don't want to become faint. So bring in the wine and the bread and... So it should be noted that a great way to um, encourage your brain to have spiritual thoughts and ideas is to weaken it with um, fasting and or to give it um, intoxication with alcohol. Also, it's really easy to, not speaking from experience or anything, but if you're dehydrated, it's really easy to for the alcohol to take effect in your body, so. And if you haven't eaten any food, it takes a very strong effect. So, just, just. a note. Okay. Joseph Smith, uh, 2nd of May, 1843, called at the office and drank a glass of wine with Sister Janetta Richards, made by her mother in England, and reviewed a portion of the conference minutes. Okay, so if her mom's drinking, making this wine, Ooh. then it's okay. So, so, it, so I jumped in the notes because... Like, I'm sure there are other instances, and I can think of some already that I did not include here. But but we're just sort of, the point's been made that Joseph Smith did drink Definitely. wine. Um, so another, one of my favorite stories, I don't know why it's one of my favorite stories, but um, Joseph in the Nauvoo Mansion, which we just went to, I think it was the first time I've ever been, but we went to it last month. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Joseph, um, while Emma was gone one day, he said that he wanted to, or he opened up a tavern in the, the Nauvoo Mansion. And I'll just read this story. This is an account from his, who is this? Um, his niece? One of his relatives is giving this story. Mary, Mary Smith Anderson? Anyway, I'll just read it. So when she, Emma, returned to the Nauvoo Mansion, mother found installed in the keeping room of the hotel. Oh, so she's, I think she's remembering what Joseph Smith III had told her. Um, so Joseph's son told this story to his cousin, and then she's writing it down. Okay, so where was I? So, when she returned to the Nauvoo Mansion, Mother found installed in the keeping room of the hotel, that is to say, the main room where the guests assembled and where they received upon where they received upon arrival, a bar with counter, shelves, bottles, glasses, and other paraphernalia, 
paraphernalia, paraphernalia. <laughs> customary for a fully equipped tavern, and Porter Rockwell in charge as a tender. <laughs> the murderer guy? <laughs> she was very much surprised and disturbed over this arrangement, but said nothing for a while. A few hours later, as I met her in the hall between the dining room and the front room, she asked me where father was. I told her he was in the front room. She asked if, is an, if anyone else is there. Yes, I answered, quite a number. She, then she told me to go and tell him she wished to, to see him. I obeyed and returned with him to the hall where mother awaited him. Joseph, she asked, what is the meaning of this bar in this house? He, do, you want to, do you want to read? Sure. He told her of Porter's arrival and that a place was being prepared for him just across the street where he would run a barber shop with a bar in connection, explaining that the bar in the hotel was only a temporary arrangement until the building referred to could be finished and ready for occupancy. There was no excitement or anger in Mother's voice, nor in what she said as she replied, but there was a distinctness and earnestness I have never forgotten, and which had its effect upon, upon Father as well. How does it look? she asked for the spiritual head of a religious body to be keeping a hotel in which is a room fitted out as a liquor-selling establishment. He reminded her that all taverns had their bars at which liquor was sold or dispensed, which was true at that day, and again urged that it was only for a time and was being done for Porter's benefit, explaining that since Porter had been compelled to leave his own home and had, in a measure, been made a scapegoat for charges that had been made against the two of them, he felt obligated to help him. I'm just doing it for Porter, honey. It's just, just for Porter. It's just for, for Porter. So Mother's reply came emphatically clear, though uttered quietly. Well, Joseph, the furniture and other goods I have purchased for this house will come, and you have some other per person looking after things here. As for me, I will take my children and go across to the old house and stay there, for I will not have them raised under such conditions as this arrangement imposes upon us nor have them mingle with the kind of men who frequent such a place. You are at liberty to make your choice. Either that bar goes out of this house, or we will. It did not take Father long to make the choice, for he replied immediately, Very well, Emma. I will have it removed at once. And he did. It sounds very similar to what happened with the, the women that were staying, and she was like, either they go or I do. Yeah, when during me, tried to put his foot down. I was like, "Yeah, fine, you go," because I want them to stay. And so, so she did, and then he was like, "Oh crap!" And so then he went and apologized and had the women leave. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure this is also the same year, 1843, which is I'm pretty sure this is the uptake. He's already got a lot of wives at this point, but also it's interesting that like he, I, I doubt they're making all this alcohol, and so she's already kind of argued with him before, and he's continuing to disobey the word of wisdom that he came up with himself. Um, but yeah, like this is her home. This is her place where she lives. And and can you imagine like she cleaned us a, a schoolroom where they were spitting tobacco out. And now she's like, you're bringing this into my house. And now I have to deal with all this all in the time. my house all yeah. the time with and, my kids. Right. So like I totally get her feeling. But. So this is the martyrdom account. Mm -hmm. Sometime after dinner, we sent for some wine. It has been reported by some that this was taken as a sacrament. It was no such thing. Our spirits were generally dull and heavy, and it was sent for to revive us. I think it was Captain Dan Jones who went after it, but they would not suffer him to return. I believe we all drank of the wine and gave some to one or two of the prison guards. And that was John Taylor telling this story. So I just thought that was really interesting where he's like, no, it's not the sacrament. Like, we were really super depressed, and we thought it was okay to have wine to revive us. And which, again, is sort of picking and choosing what 
they want to live from the revelation. Um, that's not a commandment. It's not from not with constraint, but I don't know how something's like that. Like, how is something not a, a doctrine if if God is saying don't do this? I don't know. But anyway, so there's no justification here because they're just drinking it leisurely and they didn't make this wine. They're sending Jan- Dan Jones to go buy it. And they wouldn't even let Dan Jones back in, but they let the alcohol in. Yep. <laughs> Poor Dan Jones. <laughs> Short little guy. <laughs> Um, so this is Orson Pratt. This is February 18th of 1855. So he is, he's speaking in the Journal of Discourses. He's speaking retrospectively. So he says, this is a kind of an interesting story. A, cert- a certain family, having, after having traveled a long journey, arrived in Kirtland, and the prophet asked them to stop with him until they could find a place. Sister Emma, in the meantime, asked the old lady if she would have a cup of tea to refresh her after the fatigues of the journey, or a cup of coffee. So do you want tea or coffee? Because you, you must be really tired. This whole family apostatized because they were invited to take a cup of tea or coffee after the word of wisdom was given. What? So, yeah. Boom. I wonder. And it's like, do you need tea or coffee? And they're like, oh, the church isn't true. But also, it's interesting that Emma's offering, according to this story, Emma's offering these. So, so even she didn't take. It doesn't sound like she took the word of wisdom very seriously. But also, in the story of her supposedly poisoning Joseph, it was it was from a cup of coffee. Is he, he he thought that she had poisoned his coffee. So anyway, just interesting that no one's no one really cares about that eighteen thirty three revolution. Okay. Okay, so this is now Brigham Young. We're we're done talking about Joseph. There's still a lot more cases of Joseph Smith. But um, I think that's sufficient evidence that Joseph Smith definitely didn't follow the word of and, wisdom. And neither is there anything wrong with it, as we've said, because it's not although I I'm having I'm struggling with that because it's not it's not a commandment. But God is telling you, don't do it. What is defined commandment? It's a guideline. A commandment is something that you'll be punished for, and and you won't be punished for for just trying to do your best. The guidelines. Yeah, I still don't understand any of that. But okay, so Brigham Young. Okay, Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses. The same may be said of money spent in the church of beer. It is a mild drink, and it is. And is very pleasant and agreeable to a great many. So also, I just noticed that he's calling that a mild drink. So, beer. Barley beer. So, yeah. So, he's... he. You'll have to get the whole context when you read the Journal of Discourses. But, but yeah, he's like, this isn't... Like, it's okay to spend a little bit of money on... Beer. Wait, church money on beer? Or, like, personal finances on beer? Spent in the church of beer. Some say the same money spent. Mm, I don't know. But wasn't all of Brigham's money the church money? Yep. I don't know. Yep. Okay, so this is another journal of discourse. This is from March 10th of 1860. So he says, I have my weaknesses and you have yours, but I am inclined to do that which is... But if I am inclined to do that which is wrong, I will not make my wrong a means of leading others astray. Right. (laughs) Many of the brethren chew tobacco, and I have advised them to be modest about it. Do not take out a whole plug of tobacco in meeting before the eyes of the congregation. And cut off a long slice and put it in your mouth to the annoyance of everybody around. Do not glory in this disgraceful practice. If you must use tobacco, put a small portion in your mouth when no one can see you. And be careful that no one sees you chew it. I do not charge you with sin. You have a word of wisdom. Read it. Some say, as I do in private, so do I do I in public. And I'm not ashamed of it. It is at least disgraceful to 
to you to expose your absurdities. Some men will go in a clean and beautiful furnished parlor with tobacco in their mouth and feel, I ask no odds. I would advise such men to be more modest and not spit upon the carpets and furniture, but step to the door and be careful not to let any person see you spit. Or what is better, omit chewing until you have an opportunity to do so without offending. So it's funny that he's addressing this in conference. He's like, guys, stop showing everybody that you're chewing tobacco that's gross. <laughs> and like, please, please spit outside. So like, also like Emma's arguments are coming back. Or they seem to be other women. I'm, I feel for these other women who are having to clean the carpets and their furniture. Yeah, They're, yeah really gross. Okay, Journal of Discourses, 7th of April, 1867. You go through the wards in the country and ask the bishops, do you keep the word of wisdom? The reply will be yes, no, not exactly. Well, do you drink tea? No. Coffee? No. Do you drink whiskey? No. Well, then why do you not observe the word of wisdom? Well, this tobacco, I cannot give it up. And in this, he sets an example to every man and to every boy over 10 years of age in his ward to nibble at and chew tobacco. You go to another ward, and perhaps the bishop does not chew tobacco, nor drink tea, nor coffee, but once in a while he takes a little spirits and keeps whiskey in his house, in which he will occasionally indulge. Go to another ward, and perhaps the bishop does not drink whiskey, nor chew tobacco, but he cannot give up his tea and coffee. And so it goes through the whole church. Not that every bishop indulges in one or more of these habits, but most of them do. I recollect being at a trial not long since where quite a number of bishops had been called in as a witness, but I could not learn that there was one who did not drink whiskey, and I think that most of them drink tea and coffee. I think that we have some bishops in the city who do not chew tobacco, nor drink liquor, nor tea, nor coffee to excess. The word of wisdom is one thing, and ignorance, superstition, or bigotry is another. I wish people would come to understand with regard to the word of wisdom. For illustration, I will, I will refer to a certain brother was in the church once, and president of the elders' quorum in Nauvoo. While living at that place, there was a great deal of sickness among the people, and he was sometimes called in to lay hands on the sick. But if he had had the least doubt about their drinking tea, if he even saw a teapot, he would refuse. I recollect he went into a house where a woman was sick who wanted him to lay hands on her. He saw a teapot in the corner containing catnip tea, but without stopping to inquire, he left the house, exclaiming against her and her practices. Now, there is no harm in a teapot, even if it contains tea, if it is let alone. And I say, if a truth that where a person is diseased, say, for instance, with canker, there is no better medicine than green tea, and where it is thus used, it should be drank sparingly. Instead of drinking 13 or 14 cups every morning, noon and night, there should not be any used. You may think I am speaking extravagantly, but I remember a tea-drinking match once in which 14 cups apiece were drank, so you see it can be done. But to drink half a dozen or even three or four cups of strong tea is hurtful. It injures and impairs the system, becomes the faculties of the stomachs, stomach, and affects the blood, and is deleterious in its nature. If a person is weary, worn out, cast down, fainting, or dying, a brandy sling, a little wine, or a cup of tea is good to revive them. Do not throw these things away and say they must never be used. They are good to be used with judgment, prudence, and discretion. As our bishops, if they drink tea every day, and in most cases they will tell you they do if they can get it, they take it when they do not need it and when it injures them. Okay, so yeah, that was um, that was pretty intense. So this also sort of feels like, so he's a prophet of God speaking, although I don't know if he claimed prophethood. I think he just claimed presidency. But anyway, he, he's saying... If you think of it, 
he's a prophet of God speaking. So like he, he is telling us these things. Don't throw away your tea or coffee. He's like, it's good to use it sometimes. Just don't go to excess. And also that's really excessive. 14 cups. Like he's like, oh, you think I'm joking, but I'm not because some people do. And that's <laughs> anyway. But like, he's also saying he's like green tea. There's no better medicine than green tea. And where it is thus, it should be drank sparingly. Like, yeah, like. I mean, he has very good points, actually, so. <laughs> he usually doesn't, but. <laughs> he usually is just racist and scary. Um, but in this situation, he's, he's got a good point. Yeah. Okay, next. Okay, so this is a week later. This is April 14th of 1867. This is also in the Journal of Discourses. Suppose we said at conference that we dispense with the, luxur the luxuries of tobacco, tea, coffee, and whiskey. How much would we save, money-wise? <laughs> if we had the money on hand that we had spent on these needless articles during this year that is past, we should have abundance to donate to the missionaries to land them in their fields of labor. So, he's saying, you should donate everything that you would spend on coffee, tea, whiskey, and tobacco. You should donate to the church. It's, imagine so missionary work. Imagine what you could do with the missionary work. So, like, also Brigham's a, it's so much money. Anyway, so donate your money to the church. Okay, so this next prophet is, so Brigham indulged in these things. The members indulged in these things. And he spoke in conference saying, it's not this a big is, deal, guys. Chill out. Chew tobacco quietly. These things are fine. Don't just throw them don't, away. Just don't be excessive about it. It's all, it's all okay. And I don't know, was he mocking the people who were getting mad at the bishops for having a teapot? Because he's like, it's not bad to have a teapot even if it has tea in it. But he's like, I know some of you guys won't give blessings to people who have a teapot. And that's stupid. Yeah, that's he seemed to be kind of mocking that. But like, He mocked people. He was a mocker. Yeah. Okay, so this next prophet, the next one is John Taylor. Came third, we know. Oh, we don't have to read this one again. Uh, but this one, I just redid the the martyrdom account because they're all drinking wine and it's not for the sacrament it was to revive them so like he has an ugly beard he has a he has a, a neck beard neck beard <laughs> and his eyes look very sunken or they just look really dark the lighting's just not very good for him his photo okay is okay, this okay, also oh, that's the same thing oh so this is a different he wrote it again in the history of the church so it's a little bit different so maybe just go ahead and read this one so this is this is another martyrdom account from john taylor it's just written differently. So, like, he gives more information. Okay. So, 27th of June, 1844. Before the jailer came in, his boy brought in some water and said the guard wanted some wine. Joseph gave Dr. Richards $2 to give the wine for the guard, but the guard said one was enough and would take no more. The guard immediately sent for a bottle of wine, pipes, and two small papers of tobacco, and one of the guards brought them into the jail soon after the jailer went out. Dr. Richards uncorked the bottle and presented a glass to Joseph, who tasted, as also Brother Taylor and the doctor, and the bottle was then given to the guard, who turned to go out. When at the top of the stairs, someone below called him two or three times, and he went down. Uh, so maybe members could argue about the tasting part, but again, he did say this is not for any religious purposes, but, but like a bottle of wine doesn't actually go very far, especially when you have a lot of people in this jail. Like, so tasting a wine... I don't know. I, I was wondering if people would argue, like, oh, he's just tasting it. <laughs> I wasn't going to eat it. I was just going to taste it. I wasn't going to drink it. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, I didn't pull out a lot of information for John Taylor. Um, he's he's contemporary with these other people, with uh, other people like Joseph and Brigham. So uh, there's no reason to think that he didn't indulge in these things as well. But. Okay, so the next one is Wilfred Woodruff. 
And this one's April 8th of 1894. Um, so he did indulge quite a bit in these things. But So Wilford Woodruff tells, tells General Conference, tells in General Conference a revelation he had. When I have the vision of the night open continually before my eyes and can see the mighty judgments that are about to be poured out upon this world, we have 14 million people on this earth. And over them, are the hang over them there hangs a cloud of darkness, almost entirely upon their shoulders. Can you tell me where the people are who will be shielded and protected from these great calamities and judgments, which are even now at our doors? I'll tell you. The priesthood of God who honor their priesthood and who are worthy of their blessings are the only ones who shall, be, who shall have this safety and protection. God has held the angels of destruction for many years, lest they should reap down the wheat and the tear with the tares. But I want to tell you now that those angels have left the portals of heaven, and they stand over this people and this nation now, and are hovering over the earth, waiting to pour out the judgments, and from this very day they shall be poured out. Afterwards, as Wilfred Woodruff writes in his diary, I drank some hot lemonade with a little brandy in it, went to bed, and got some sleep. <laughs> like, oh my <laughs> He just gave this huge... Hot lemonade. So it's hot, hot drinks, with I've a little never, brandy. I've never had hot lemonade before. Would but you also try like, it with hot lemonade and brandy? Sure. Anyone know? Has anyone tried that? <laughs> Anybody got a recipe? Um, but but also like his revelation. Everyone will burn except the members of the church. And then I had some brandy. And then I went to bed. and went to bed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that makes me feel good. Makes me sleepy. He sounds like that at night. Like a. So his yeah. beard is not a neck beard. It just like begins from his lip and just like pours out. <laughs> like a waterfall beard. <laughs> like he's spitting. It's just burbling over. <laughs> okay, okay, you read. Continue, sorry. <laughs> All right, April 21st, 1897, in his journal, he writes in his diary, The swelling in my body and limbs has gone down. My pulse is normal. I have no pain. Weak in my limbs. I eat bread and milk and drink cacao and a little port wine. So he yes. drinks chocolate, probably hot. And a little port wine. Yeah, so there you go. Two things that were advised against. So another um, another time in his diary on June 9th of 1897, he says, I was, quite, I was quite restless all night, felt chilly, took a little brandy, sling, and a cup of coffee, and slept some before daylight until 9 a.m. Like, why would you drink coffee before bed? Don't know why, but like, okay. Like, anyway. <laughs> Maybe he has ADHD. Okay, maybe maybe it's maybe it's helping him. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so this next one is Lorenzo Snow. What, what are we on now? Is this the fifth? Is he the fifth prophet? Joseph is he the one who's John Taylor Gershaw? Related to Eliza? Snow? Eliza yeah. Snow? Mm, yeah. Is that her brother? Yeah, I think so. I think they're brother and sister, Eliza Snow. So this is the fifth prophet. Um and this is from uh Rud Rudger 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 Clausen. Clausen. Mm-hmm. Rudger Clausen's journal, January twelfth, eighteen ninety nine. At the weekly meeting in the in the Salt Lake Temple of the First Presidency and Apostles, Rudger Clausen writes that the tables were spread and the brethren partook of the sacrament. After the bread and wine were blessed by President Snow, they ate and drank freely until satisfied. It was indeed a time of refreshing and one long to be remembered. So, um, so this one, from all purposes, is okay because it's the sacrament, right? But the drank freely until satisfied is not what we imagine when we think of the sacrament. No. Because we're not satisfied with our little shot glass of water. (laughs) 
Okay, so that one wasn't a, that was I couldn't find a lot of evidence for Lorenzo Snow, but it does seem like he's he's they're at least s- stretching out the sacrament to be to satisfy themselves. So this is Joseph F. Smith, and this is another one from Rudger 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 Clausen's journal from July thirteenth of eighteen ninety nine. Um, Salt Lake Temple fast meeting for general authorities, Apostle Clauston writes. So they're fasting again. President Joseph F. Smith was, was mouth in blessing the bread and wine, which was supplied in sufficient abundance to satisfy all present. A very enjoyable time was passed at the table. It doesn't really sound like the sacrament, but... Seems like Rudger Clausen enjoys drinking. And he, he sounds like he's having a really good time with these men. He enjoys it's like, it. It was a great time at the table. I will long remember I this long night. remembered, yeah. What he's really saying is, party! <laughs> it's a sacrament. It's okay. It's okay. Holy party! <laughs> okay, so wait. This one, this one, I have suspicions of, and maybe I, maybe I'm, maybe it's they're not really well founded, but I wanted to talk about it anyway because I feel like it's telling. Okay, so on the church's website, it makes this claim from the teachings of the Jose- of the presence of the church, um, Joseph F. Smith. So do you want to read the just the? Uh, so it says, President Joseph F. Smith was a tender and gentleman who expressed sorrow at any kind of abuse. Who wouldn't express sorrow at any kind of abuse? Mm-hmm. Like, if, especially if you are a tender and gentle person. Like, look at that face. Look at that beard. Like, he's just such a tender, gentle person. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so no. So Joseph F. Smith is not a tender person, and he was not a gentle person. And I don't, I haven't found yet, um ties to alcohol, but I wonder if it's because he drank alcohol that these um, things happened. But so there's a, Jana wrote an article in the Salt Lake Tribune that was about Joseph F. Smith, and she said, Joseph F. Smith acknowledged in, in divorce affidavits to beating his first wife, Levira, in the 1860s. The only part he disputed was whether he attacked her with a rope or a small stick. He also verbally abused and threatened her, and at one point saying he ought to drill a hole in her head and fill it with manure. So I don't know if these are alcohol uh, alcohol induced, but to me it feels like that would be. Gosh, I hope they were alcohol induced because, like, if you're just saying this as a regular sober person, like that's really messy. So the name, the title of the 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 article was Joseph F. Smith, a traumatized and beloved Latter Day Saint leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was traumatized. Yeah. Was- so there's a whole book. Um, I just ordered it. So I because I really am curious about his life and like what was going on with him he's well, what is he the sixth prophet of the church who is he the child of um i think he's higher up that's the right question um joseph F. smith remember the app but yeah he had a really really rough life higher yep higher and mary fielding were his parents so he's joseph smith's nephew so what's that word when you keep it within the family nepotism oh i was gonna say incest <laughs> not that word <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not sure what his, anyway, I'm very curious about his, I wish just do a whole other episode about him after. I, I don't know anything about Joseph F. Smith, so. Yeah. Okay, so there's, there's another, this is further down in the article with, by Jana Reese, so. Yeah, it sounds like you're saying January. Jana Reese. <laughs> Jana Reese. Jana Reese. R-I-E-S-S. And the Salt Lake Tribune said. Joseph F. Smith is on record for beating a neighbor almost to death in 1873. There were other stories, too, with less clear evidence, including a possible beating of his little sister's teacher when he was still in his early teens. 
Joseph F. Smith was a turbulent man who acknowledged that his temper was the worst part of him and that the only man on earth he ever feared was himself. So that's that's a heavy thing. So again, I don't know if these are alcohol-induced. I, I would imagine that they were. I don't know. But I want to learn more about him because this is really interesting to me. But also, it just seems interesting that the church is trying to paint him as this tender, gentle man who expresses sorrow at any kind of abuse. And then so that he, just means that he does it and then he's sorry about it. But but why would they say he was a tender and gentle person if he is clearly not? And he's, he says... You that, can be tender and also quick to temper. And beat people? Mm-hmm. Would, but I feel like that's a word game. Okay, okay. Imagine um, Bilbo Baggins. He's scary when he needs but the ring. he's just like super sweet. And he's like, oh, let's go on an adventure. <laughs> okay, but like that, but all the time. <laughs> well, but probably not all the time. That's what I'm saying. He just turns to I, I just wish the church would acknowledge things like that. They say, yeah, he really struggled. He really, really struggled. And, and he wasn't always tender. And he did. He why, not, why does the church insist on not humanizing their leaders? Because they have to be speakers for God. And if they're speaking for God, they need to be perfect. It's disgusting. I don't like that. I don't like the church does that. That they lie or that they have leaders who will that beat they people li- to nearly both. Death. Both. Okay. Why why are we calling this man as the prophet of God if he's traumatized and he's got all this anger? Because his name is Joseph F. Smith. That's, because of that's nepotism. <laughs> nepotism. Nepotism. Okay. So Heber J. Grant, what are we on? Number seven prophet? Heber J. Grant? Heber. Okay, hang on. So this um this story, I think people tried to spin it in a way. Um that is faithful. I grabbed the source from, um, so this is Ronald W. Walker. He's a BYU professor or was, uh, I think he still is, but I'm not sure. Um, so this is from, um, uh, Gr- Heber J. Grant, young Heber J. Grant's years of passage by this BYU professor. So this is a faithful source and I'm pretty sure they spin it in a faithful way, but it's just interesting to say that this is happening. So do you want to read? Yeah. The young men had an even greater difficulty with beer. Fearing an early death like his father's and convinced of the virtues of life insurance, Salt Lake City's youngest agent repeatedly sought coverage to protect his mother. 19th century actuarial tables, however, discriminated against slender girths and no company would issue Heber a policy. Determined to gain weight, Heber sought out Dr. Benedict, who had an immediate solution. If Heber would drink four glasses of beer daily, which Dr. Benedict prescribed, within two years he would have the additional 20 pounds necessary for coverage. He was too skinny to get covered by insurance, so they told him to drink beer. (laughs) Isn't that funny? (laughs) Okay, Uh, do you want to keep going? At first, Heber found beer bitter and distasteful, like his mother's herbal knick-knick tea but he quickly acquired both a business and a personal taste for it. Within a year, he secured the fire insurance business of most Salt Lake City saloons and Utah breweries, an additional 10 pounds, and a growing relish for the savor of hops. His hops. 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 His daily four-glass limit became five and occasionally grew to six. He warred with his acute sense of conscience. Rereading the word of wisdom, he resolved to abandon his drinking and place his health and his mother's future with the Lord, insurance or no insurance. But resolutions were easier made than kept. I wanted some beer so bad that I drank it again, he confessed. Finally, he found strength in the same formula he had used with coffee. By telling himself he was free to take a drink whenever he wished, he overcame his obsession and ceased drinking. Just as quickly, he lost his trade with the saloons and breweries of the territory. So, yeah. Like, 
he uh he was addicted to alcohol yeah, yeah he and also like he, this is his younger years and this there he's not this BYU professor's not saying that he did it as the prophet although everyone else did do it as a prophet um but he's saying as a young man he struggled um you know he needed to gain weight so the prophet first of all like why if you're i would think that a member of the church like if a doctor came and told a member that i'm sure they would be like first let me get a second opinion but also, like, maybe the Lord will provide a way, just like David, or like Daniel, who were all his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, weren't they in the Bible? In the bed we go. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Shadrach, Meshach, and in the bed we go. Oh. Okay, but there's a story in the Bible, I'm pretty sure it was them. A bed where, uh, where they say, oh, we're not going to drink your stuff. We'll drink our, or we'll drink our, like, grains and things, and we'll gain weight, and we'll be stronger. I don't think it's drink. I think it's eating. I think it, they're, they're not okay, eating, Okay, but like, my point is, my point stuff. is... The but I think it wasn't wine and meat. Yeah, and then they the, and so then they, they just drink, drank or they just ate like rice and wheat and. But did the did the something. king offer them wine? Yeah, and meat? the yeah. Anyway, so my point they make, is they make the people who eat it look gluttonous and fat. So. Yeah, but my point is like the he's got a he's got a worldly physician, or I'm assuming I don't know actually if he's a member of the church or not, but saying that in order to gain weight you need to drink beer. But that's strictly against the word of wisdom. Well, no, you could also say that it's it's not. I mean, like, unless you're going to argue hops and barley. But, like, the word of wisdom does say mild drinks are okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, he could have justified mm-hmm. that just fine. But so, he didn't. But he didn't. He could have said, oh, well, there's maybe the Lord will provide me a better way to gain weight. Um, but anyway, he does indulge in, in alcohol. And instead of his four glasses, turns to five and then six. And then he's like, I want this so much. And I also think that's really interesting when he gives himself full permission to have as much beer as he wants. He was like, I, don't, I didn't want it as much. And I've seen that habit happen with other people, with, like, people who've left the church when they were like, I tried to keep myself from watching pornography or doing these other behaviors that as soon as I allowed myself the freedom to do them, I, I didn't, didn't. It have wasn't. A problem anymore. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, almost like the guilt uh, is fueling it. Oh, yeah. Like, you, how does that work in your brain, I wonder? I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, interesting story. But also under Heber J. Grant, in 1921, President Heber J. Grant made adherence to the word of wisdom a prerequisite for temple admission. So, like... And that was in 1921. Mm-hmm. And when was um, polygamy finally, actually, for real, ended? I don't know the exact actual date, but it was the 1920s. Yeah. So, during polygamy. Or, like, it was all the same time. Like when, because they were trying to petition for statehood, or was that the, yeah. It was, it was earlier, but they kept doing it oh, undercover. Yeah. And there's like three manifestos about, like, no, stopping, guys, really? we're really stopping polygamy. No, this time we were really stopping polygamy. <laughs> but yeah, so 1921, so this is, I cannot remember. I should have put numbers on each of them. Is this, is he prophet number seven? So seven prophets in, he, they finally make the word of wisdom. You have to live the word of wisdom. It is a commandment in order to go to the symbol. Which it still is today. It's still part of part of the temple recommend questions. Okay, but we're not done. There are still prophets who really we're not done. Okay, so George Albert Smith is the next prophet, and so the story is told. Oh wait, hang on. It reminds me of my first boyfriend. What glasses? The glasses. Yeah. Oh, his glasses. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, I'll let you just read this slide. A story was told by J. Michael Hunter in the 2002 General Conference. The doctor came and examined George Albert. He told Sarah that her son had typhoid fever, a disease that sometimes killed people. He told her to keep her son in bed for three weeks and to have him drink coffee but not eat. 
When the doctor left, George Albert told his mother that he didn't want to drink coffee because it was against the word of wisdom. He knew that Heavenly Father had given Joseph Smith the word of wisdom, a revelation that teaches us not to drink coffee, tea, or alcohol. It also teaches us to eat and drink only things that are good for our bodies. He didn't want to break the word of wisdom. His mother and father had taught him to always obey Heavenly Father. Okay, we pause. So that's so we hear the same kind of story with Joseph Smith. So when Joseph was a little boy, he was getting surgery in his leg, and they offered him wine because it will help dull the pain, right? And he was like, no, I don't. I'm not going to do that. And so that's held today as a standard of like, oh, Joseph lived the word of wisdom. But then we ignore all of his life after that, where he was drunk frequently. He drank with the brethren. Like, they prophesied after drinking and fasting. Like, no, this is not... That is not a word of wisdom story. It's just a story. And same here. This doctor is saying, give him coffee. And he's like, no, Joseph said no coffee. But what they don't say. However, what they don't tell us is that George Albert Smith, apostle and later church president, took brandy for medicinal reasons. What are the medicinal reasons for brandy? (laughs) That's a great question. I don't know. And we can look that up. Because, like, the other guy, um, who was it? Wilford Woodruff, who took brandy a lot. Like, he was, says he was kind of sickly. To help him sleep, maybe. Yeah, so, like, don't know. But, like, it's just interesting that the church tries to show the best sides. Like, cut out everything that's bad, and we'll only show you this. Because this isn't affirming. And even Brigham Young, I think it was Brigham, um, whenever they were writing the history of the church, um, either it was him or some of the church committee, they, they took out all the references to Joseph drinking alcohol. <laughs> so they, like, cut it all out. Um, yeah, so... Sh- we're, again, we're just trying to, we're whitewashing and pulling out all the bad stuff. We're, we're sanctifying. Yeah. We're creating a saint out of what was a person. Yep. And why? I feel like a lot of, I feel like testimonies would be stronger if we humanize the prophets and the leaders of the church instead of making them saints. Because when we make them saints, then we learn that, that Joseph, like, oh, you... You coerce this woman to marry you. Oh, you marry this woman who's already married. Or, like, all these horrible things. That's not doing anybody any favors to make saints of humans. Anyway. Okay, so then, this is a funny story. Um, so this is David O. McKay, the next prophet. What are we... I can't remember. We're on nine? I don't remember. Um, so at a reception, McKay attended. The hostess served rum cake. All the guests hesitated, watching to see what, Ms. what McKay would do. He smacked his lips and began to eat. When one guest expostulated, but President McKay, don't you know that this is rum cake? McKay smiled and reminded the guests that the word of wisdom forbade drinking alcohol, not eating it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell that to my mom. (laughs) So I thought that was fun. That's hilarious. Also, you could also say, I worked for, um, I don't know how this works in cake. I'm not a baker. So if somebody has this answer, please tell me. But like when I I worked as a nanny for my, for uh, my bishop and they would, they would sometimes have me cook with wine. And so I was like, oh, this is weird because I'm like a return missionary and I don't think I should be using wine and I'm serving it to the bishop's family. <laughs> but like, I was like, it's okay. It cooks out, right? But then when I looked it up, it really doesn't cook out. It takes a long time to cook out. Like like way more than, no, it doesn't, it doesn't cook out. So like with rum cake, how does that work? So you're, cause you're baking it in an oven. I don't, I don't know how that, I don't know. Maybe it does. But also you, that's but, just funny. That but you, you don't, don't drink it. <laughs> but you can eat it. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was a fun story. That's really funny. Also, I wanted to end just because this is one of the best clips. What? 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 Well, I just had this thought, like, could that be true of coffee, too? Like, um, oh, yeah. there's coffee-flavored things. That's yeah, not that's against not the against, word of If you're going to go by uh, 
Um, David O. McKay's logic, mm. right? No, he, it's against drinking mm. coffee. Mm. Although he doesn't really say coffee. He says hot drink. Okay, so I want to share this clip with you. It's a great clip. My next story is about a woman I'll call Mary. She was the daughter of faithful pioneer parents who had sacrificed much for the gospel. She had been married in the temple and was the mother of ten children. She was a talented woman who taught her children how to pray, to work hard, and to love each other. She paid her tithing, and the family rode to a church together on Sunday in their wagon. Though she knew it was contrary to the word of wisdom, she developed the habit of drinking coffee and kept a coffee pot on the back of her stove. She claimed that the Lord will not keep me out of heaven for a little cup of coffee. But because of that little cup of coffee, she could not qualify for temple recommend. And neither could those of her children who drank coffee with her. She lived to a good old age, and she did eventually qualify to re-enter and serve in the temple. But only one of her ten children had a worthy temple marriage, and a great number of her posterity, which is now in its fifth generation, live outside of the blessings of the restored gospel she believed in and her forefathers sacrificed so much for. That repentance isn't optional. We are commanded to repent. The Savior taught that unless we repent and become as a little child, we can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. We must not let one little cup of coffee, one bad habit, one bad choice, one wrong decision derail us for a lifetime. So, first of all, that's got to be a fallacy. That she's narrowing, narrowing down sure. all of these people who had life experiences that they left the church. Oh well, it's because their mom had a cup, <laughs> had a coffee pot on the back what of is her that stove. A, is that a slippery slope fallacy? Yeah, where it's probably. like you do one thing and then it just crashes everything. That's like that's ridiculous. What? There's a lot of reasons to not go to church. But clearly, these people drank beer or coffee, and these prophets of the church, and they didn't fall away. In fact, they led the church. Yeah. So. We must not let one little cup of coffee, one, one bad, bad habit, habit, one bad choice, one wrong decision derail us for a lifetime. So don't make that choice. So don't, don't make a don't. bad choice ever. So this quote comes from Julie B. Beck, and she's the 15th Relief Society president. Okay. But the 5th Relief Society president... Um, well, and probably like Emma, because we know that Emma did, and like, like Zina Huntington, right? I can't remember all the order of the <laughs> really excited presidents, but they drank. So Emily, Emmeline Wells, the fifth president, um, drank an occasional cup of coffee, and we know that a lot of the other really excited presidents drank cup of coffees, cups of coffee, cup of coffees. <laughs> anyway, so like, it's just interesting to me that she's saying, and these people stayed faithful. Like the coffee itself is not gonna. It's not gonna hurt you. It's not gonna do anything. But I but, guess the, the obedience side. But it's but it's not also that because these leaders of the church are being disobedient. But as soon as you made it, drew the line in the sand of you can't have a temple recommend if you drink coffee. So like, is that really this person's fault, or is it the extreme line that you've drawn? Like, you may not partake of any of these things if you want to come into our temple. Like. 
Also, like, I wish that, like, I wish that, so I have seen outside of Mormonism research done by, about the, the benefits of coffee or mostly coffee, I think. And then also tea, like Mm -hmm. what, how does that benefit a person? Like alcohol is poison. Like it's, but like, it would make more sense if any revelation were to change in the church, I feel like it would be okay for the word of wisdom to change because Joseph wasn't a doctor. He didn't. And, and it's not clear. He does not clearly say coffee or tea. He just says hot drinks. Hot, mild, so, strong. Hot, mild, strong. Like <laughs> Hot, mild, strong. <laughs> yeah. Just just drink water, guys. Just drink water. Just chill. <laughs> but yeah, it, my, my thoughts are if anything was going to change, if any re- revelation should evolve over time, it would be the word of, it should be the word of wisdom. Like, for instance, people who drink, as a member of the church, I didn't really, it didn't make sense that you could drink an energy drink and be all hyped up, but you can't have coffee. Like, like. Because it's not the caffeine. He doesn't say don't drink caffeinated and that's drinks. Another he thing says, that Mormons... don't drink hot drinks. So right. don't drink hot chocolate or coffee or tea because they're hot and that could burn your tongue. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the caffeine. So like the Mormons, like on my mission, they wouldn't allow, they, at the MDC, they, they didn't keep anything with caffeine in it. Uh, so they had, they had sodas that specifically didn't have it in there. Like when did, when did that become part of the word of wisdom rhetoric? When did, like, is, nowhere is this mentioned. Nowhere is caffeine mentioned in, in these revelations. But as a member, I never drank sodas uh, with caffeine in it. Except I for, there was, I, still I, re- don't. I remember the first time I was given a, a Pepsi because I won it in a contest. And I was like, oh, this is contraband. <laughs> <laughs> it felt very dangerous. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah. I think you should um, address the other thing that you have a problem with. So so Joseph Smith made these very strict rules that were not kept, clearly, about what to eat and drink. Um, but what did he not receive a revelation about that could have actually saved lives? Oh, you mean like washing your hands when you're <laughs> delivering children? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like... Like, in the, in this time period... And I made a TikTok about this way forever ago, so like I'll have to reshare it or something, but like... Like, people were dying because doctors weren't washing their hands. Like, God, tell Joseph that. If there is a God, tell him, just have your doctors wash their hands. Like, have people, have this be a normal thing. Like, like I'm impressed that Patty Sessions delivered uh, so many thousands or hundreds of babies and didn't lose, only lost, like, two. Maybe she was in the habit of rinsing her hands. She probably washed her hands. Did you know that part of the reason that um, Jews were so um, hated is because they survived plagues because it's a ritual to wash your hands as a Jew, Jewish person. So they survived plagues because they washed their hands and then they were seen as like, oh, they're, they're doing something interesting. Mm. That's crazy. Like women with, with not, like women I'm not with trying to make them the same. And, and the plague not being spread to them because oh, yeah, their cats see, yeah. ate the rats yeah. and the mice. Just like superstition. Just be mm-hmm. healthy. Anyway, so I just, it's just, why is Joseph receiving revelation on... Don't drink coffee or tea when those literally are like well, he positive didn't say things. That. Well, uh, yeah. Don't drink hot drinks, which think, does not make any sense at all to anyone. I think from my research, the member the members are the ones that interpreted and made that kind of stick that the coffee and tea was what he meant. And I think that they kind of voted on that. Um, I made a TikTok about it a long time ago, but I don't remember. Sometimes I watch my TikToks because I'm like, I did the research back then. I can't remember. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. But I think the membership kind of interpreted how that how they wanted even though that's not what joseph said 
Well, just like recently with vaccinations, the prophet said, people get your vaccinations. And a lot, I, I asked this to some of my family members. I was like, so what, how did how are you taking that? And they said, well, we believe we can have our own revelation about that and we're not going to take the, the vaccine. Membership shapes church doctrine. The culture of the members shapes church doctrine. Like, I had a friend who did that too. She was like, oh, I was like, well, the prophet literally said for the, or he like strongly intimated that you guys need to get vaccinated. And like, I was out of the church by then, but she was like, yeah, but I can receive my own revelation. My revelation says don't, don't get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And even though he specifically, like, he said it over the pulpit. And, like, they, like they specifically got pictures of each one of them, I think, if I remember correctly. Like, all the first presidency getting vaccinated. Which was smart on their, their part, because, like, if you want to keep your membership alive, you need to encourage them to get vaccinated. <laughs> but it didn't. But also, he's a doctor. Really like, why would, he, why would he not encourage them to be? But also, <laughs> this is off topic, but Brigham Young hated doctors. And, like... It's interesting because he hated them so much, but then our prophet now is a doctor. Is a doctor. <laughs> so, like, I wonder if they'd get along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. He would kick doctors out of his home. Which was probably a, well, no, it is the reason why the culture of yeah. the church kind of shuns um, modern phar- pharmaceuticals, doctors. Oh, yeah. Modern health. Like, that's my experience. I don't know if that's everyone's because I just put something on Patreon. Also, if you guys want to support the research that we do, please follow us on Patreon, um, Analyzing Mormonism. Anyway, but somebody commented, and they're like, oh, that's an interesting that that's your experience, that, that, that your membership or the members you know don't go to doctors. But, like, we know. Like, uh, nobody, I don't <laughs> I, I think it definitely depends on where you're at because... Um, or, or even especially your, um, income bracket. Cause I think, um, lower income people are going to lean towards that anyway. Um, and like, oh, I just can't afford to go to the doctor. Oh, also like the Lord can heal me. So I don't need to go to the doctor. Yeah. I think that's, that's a harmful thing right there with like, oh yeah. Like we believe that the priesthood can heal us and then you don't go to the doctors and then you end up suffering more or dying because you didn't. Or you just believe that that must be what God chose for you. And like, oh, God has decided that it's my time to go. Okay, so you don't want to operate on that broken knee or (laughs) like a broken leg? (laughs) Just leave that? Let God heal it? Priest of blessing, they never worked. Like that girl. I know we said this in our last episode, but but Brigham Young almost dying. And um, he got a blessing from Joseph, from the prophet of God. And his wife had to still save him because... Give he him CPR. Bringing, he wasn't breathing. There was no such thing as CPR, but she. Oh well. But she well. Okay. But she did do CPR. That's that's not it what it was called <laughs> at the time, but that's what she did essentially, yeah. which was very smart on her part. Um, and maybe she was inspired, or maybe yeah. she wasn't because she kept a lead Brigham Young, who encouraged a lot of other people to die. So she said him, but like a lot of other people died. So. Yes. Okay, so what do we figure out? Nine. Of the, how many prophets have there been total? Can you look that? Can you check that in? 17. 17. So, okay, so, yeah, pretty much half of the prophets drank alcohol or did not abide by the word of wisdom, as I guess you could argue. Although, I mean, David O. McKay, rum cake. Rum cake. You can uh, eat alcohol. Just don't drink it. <laughs> you can eat it. <laughs> but anyway, isn't that, I just think that was an interesting. I'm not arguing one way or another. I'm not mad at these gentlemen. I'm not, I don't care. Like, 
<laughs> it's just interesting to think like but go back to your very shortly having left the church self who would not drink wine and what would you say to yourself back then wait what do you mean because like, you there was after leaving the church for about a year you would not drink wine or coffee yeah. still so what would you say to yourself then I don't I wouldn't say anything because I feel like I feel like my I needed time because I was like well, as soon as I left I was like oh yeah I'll I'll for sure try these things but I don't want to do it I don't want to push myself and so like I did it at a rate that I was comfortable so I don't know if I would tell myself anything because I did it at a okay I did it when I was ready okay and it was a year it was like a year later <laughs> it was a year later which is super fine yeah um and we're still limited in our what well, we do drink but and coffee's still kind of gross. <laughs> like she she likes um, not coffee, but um, but milk and cream with coffee in it. <laughs> like I love the Starbucks vanilla frappuccinos. They're so good. I'll go to Walmart and just or wherever they sell them and, and grab them. They're so good. <laughs> Bye. What? So what would you say to yourself as a member who would shame other people for drinking? I don't know. If that's something I really did. You didn't shame. Anybody. I shamed tattoos. Were the, I was you like, did. I did. So like, like I like I, I think I had a good or like a healthy boundary between like sh- who to shame and or like you know I, like I had a lot of family who wasn't members of the church. Like my mom is like the only one of her siblings that that is in the church. And then my my aunts smoke and drink and like that's not I I grew up being having that being a normal thing and we still love them. We just don't smoke and drink. Like and anyway. I hate the sin. Love the sinner. No, I. I like, this isn't healthy, but I love you. And and I love you as a person. Like, I feel like that's different than, like, people usually equate that to, like, people like us who are gay. Like, love the... Like, you the love sin, you, but, gonna, but, but I kind of hate it. you. <laughs> love you. <laughs> I feel like it's different when it's when it's health. Um, but anyway, yeah, like, I had some members of my family that were members of the church that would get tattoos. And I was like, uh-uh. Like, I, I, shame. Mm. I feel embarrassed. That's probably one of my most embarrassed moments where I, like... He showed my cousin, one of my cousins had shown a picture of his tattoo. It, it was fake. I didn't know it was fake at the time, but he had had a real tattoo in the past. So I messaged and I was like, oh no, you shouldn't do that. And like the prophet says, don't do that. And like, I was so embarrassed and then like deleted it like when the next found, day. When you found out it was fake? I think I might've deleted it. Even before even that? Even before that. Cause somebody like commented, they're like, whoa girl, like <laughs> calm down. I remember, um, there was a guy that I worked with who was Mormon, um, but he had a tattoo of um, the American flag, and he drank non-alcoholic beer. And I was like, like at that point, <laughs> just commit the sin. Just do it. <laughs> what are we soaking? <laughs> he's like, it's the American flag, so it's like important. And I'm like, I think he was either in the well, military the or wanted not been to be against... in the military. I don't know why I was so strongly against tattoos. Um, but like, there was a guy in my BYU Idaho communications class where he would get tattoos. Like it was just a, like a tick or a thing that he had to do. So he was covered in them and he was still temple worthy and he was still, you know, able to go to school. And he lifted up his pant leg one time and showed the whole class his angel Moroni all down his, from his knee to his ankle. And the teacher was like, I've never seen that before. That's really interesting. And yeah, hmm. I don't, yeah, anyway. T- technically it's not in the temple recommended uh-uh, question. It's not, so. no. And culturally, like, I mean, it shouldn't be because. But, anyway. but, but, you know, what is in the temple recommend 
questions is, do you have two piercings in your earlobes? Wait, that's not a question. No. I know. It's not. I'm just <laughs> was it, was it before? <laughs> no, but it was, is a big deal. It was. Women got shamed for that, for having two piercings. Yeah. Yeah. Man, they had talks about it. Yeah. It's a big deal. I don't know if it's a big deal anymore. Is it still? I, I feel like. From my experience, if somebody has two, I don't think they would make a big deal, but people would definitely gossip about you and point at you and be like, you're not as righteous. <gasps> you're not as righteous as me because there are two holes in this part of your skin and not just one. Yeah. So I'm more righteous. Because that makes such a huge difference. <laughs> I never know how to end episodes. Um, On a high note. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, again, I'm not shaming anybody. I'm just presenting information and facts that I thought were interesting. Because people have asked me, did the Mormons actually, did the Mormon prophets drink alcohol? And the answer is yes. Yes. And, like, and there's no shame in that. It didn't become part of the, like, I'm still confused by what it means by commandment and what it means by not. If God says, don't do this thing, that feels like a commandment. It's not like an official, I'm going to write it on stone tablets kind of thing. But, like. Well, why not? Because. They didn't have stone tablets. (laughs) No, we have other tablets nowadays. Gold tablets. Why didn't he write it on a gold tablet? <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, um, nine of the 17. Nine of the 17 prophets did um, not keep the word of wisdom. Yep. So um, to end the episode, follow. Oh, go to Patreon. Um, your support would be much appreciated. There's like little tiers. I'm not asking for a lot. Please don't give more than you want. Or don't give it all and we'll still be making this content anyway. But and like there's a $5 tier and there's mm-hmm. a $10 tier and a $20 tier. Yeah, and with the $20 tier. So we have a um, publishing company that we are starting um, that we are taking old Mormon books that are out of print and reprinting them and making them available again with um, similar to the original covers and like doing our best to keep it a, like too close to the original while still being readable Mm -hmm. so anyway so it we will be providing one of those um whenever they're released as an ebook to um everybody in the top tier paying the and it's like it's like 20 you just it's a monthly thing so like five dollars a month ten dollars a month twenty dollars a month and i'm gonna put the pictures in but like we have um william smith's um what is that called william smith on mormonism (laughs) (laughs) we have william smith on mormonism and then we have the Nauvoo Expositor. And then we have, um, our upcoming is The Wife Number 19. And the cool thing about this is that those are the books that we are reading and discussing. So when you receive that ebook, you will you will be able to read along with us as we're discussing it and having that um, in your TikToks. So. Oh, yeah, because that's... So it's, yeah. we're not exactly doing a book club, but it's kind of, kind of like a book club. We could structure something like that. We could. Um, if there was desire for yeah. that. Could, we could consider doing a book club. Yeah. So, yeah. So, follow so, follow on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, especially. YouTube. Follow. Get, that one's a slow build. Like, I have more yeah, followers really everywhere else except YouTube's just hard. Um, and also, if you need more information on any of these things, go to analyzingmormonism.com. Julia has been working on the website, and it is beautiful. <laughs> just mm. kiss. All the time. All the time, guys. She's like... Look at this web page I just finished. Isn't it beautiful? Look at it, Joseph's occultic rituals. Look how many animals he killed. <laughs> she, she really does. She brags. Well, it just looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Like, so I hired me. I would so, hire me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed this video footage. And obviously we're releasing the audio just the same. But, like, 
we figured we'd change it up and maybe we'll get better equipment later and like yeah we're planning on doing this um once a week now releasing one of these a week Hopefully. is that the plan i would like to maybe we should lower our standards <laughs> make ourselves less promises so that we can keep them better. let's definitely do this at least at least every other every other week <laughs> month it is hard when we have kids in school so just saying it's harder when they're not in school i mean that's a good point <laughs> that's a really good point mm-hmm. i forgot it's not summer anymore <laughs> school age kids school okay age anyway kids, yeah. yeah so patreon subscribe whatever that's called, um, or just follow and like in general. Follow and like, and be a nice person. We should do, like, like Mormon stories, but they're like, be a kind person. Be kind. Remember who you are and what you Every Mormon <laughs> um, historian. Everyone. Every member a historian. Or every ex-member a historian. Everybody every a human. historian. <laughs> Everybody who's interested a historian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seriously, we should make sure it's like what would it say on it everybody the, who's interested a historian no not that but like the the gays feminist intellectuals anyway we'll figure out shirts oh yeah um when we figure that out, we'll let you know anyway thanks everybody have fun um be good to each other be good humans <laughs> okay bye bye the end bye 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 now <laughs> bye 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 do, do, do the do the Ha, ha, ha.